0: In Two Four Drafts, the Thursday edition of Two Foreign Drafts, I'm Austin Gale with my guy Mike Renner. Today we're going over the running back class ahead of the 2021 NFL Draft. That still feels crazy to me because we spent so much time on the 2020 draft to be looking ahead at other prospects already feels premature, but I feel like it's been a worthwhile exercise and I know the work that we're doing now is building up to what will be a 2021 NFL Draft Guide in August, I believe that will be released, so a lot of fun stuff there.
1: Yes. And this running back class, we, we've we talked about quarterbacks now and wide receivers. And I've said 2021 quarterback class looks special. 2021 wide receiver class better at this point in time than the 2020 class was. This running back class does not come close to last year's. It, it is uh, There might be some top end talent, the depth of it, the sort of talent, the, the amount of guys we saw going day two this past year. I do not foresee that in 2021, just at the, at this point in time, it does not really? look nearly as good. Yes.
0: And I, I mean, I just get su- super excited about Travis Etienne, and I think Travis Etienne. we had him as running back one for the 2020 draft before he decided uh-huh. to go back to school. And then like, but you do start looking after this, there are, you know, there are some, there are some question marks with a lot of the other guys considered to be, you know, those tier two running backs in this class. So it'll be interesting and- to get into those guys. I will say there are guys who
1: can come, come out of nowhere every year. I, I probably would not have had been super high on Clyde Edwards Lair last year at this point in time. Like there are guys can obviously impress, but in terms of the guys who are known quantities, sort of guys who have been in starting roles and are returning. Yeah. I'm not super excited about this class.
0: We also interviewed former NFL running back and current CBS sports Uh, network analyst Tiki Barber, and he was fantastic. We're going to get to that interview after we go over the running back class, but he had some really good takes on, you know, why the Panthers paid Christian McCaffrey, you know, running back value, the importance of versatility. I I thought he had some very, some very nuanced takes. I I was happy to have him on.
1: Yes. And he was, he had a, for a former running back, he had a very nuanced view of the way that the fact that position has like changed in terms of evaluation, and what you can yeah. get out of it in today's NFL, unlike some maybe other popular running back analysts who do, you know, national television and they're, they really haven't, they really haven't changed their opinion on how valuable the position should be.
0: I mean, he, he was just like, you'd have to be ignoring, like, copious amounts of data and evidence that, you know, the running back position is more <laughs> yes. replaceable. Like, you'd have to – you just simply have to be ignoring it due to biases or whatever it may be. But that interview was great. We'll get to that after we go over these backs here. Let's start with Travis Etienne, Mike, the Clemson yes. running back that, honestly, is, is super explosive, force tackle ability for days, home run hitting ability. Like, again, we have said this multiple times on this podcast. Why? Did he go back to school? Because I think he was <laughs> the best running back in this class. And now there's obviously that injury risk. And Tiki Barber, you know, we'll get to that later, you know, talks about that injury risk, talks about how, you know, running backs going back to school for their senior year is obviously a risk, especially in Travis Etienne's case. Um, ignoring that, talk to me about Travis Etienne as a player.
1: Yeah, I just get Bryce Love sort of vibes. So not fives, but like that's how I felt when Bryce Love came back. I'm just like, damn you're like rolling the dice when you don't have to like you're taking a big risk that doesn't need to be taken but money is not everything to everybody and Travis Etienne probably has a great time at Clemson when you're winning and you're competing for national championships that's probably a fun-ass time I wouldn't be able to relate to that but I bet it is and that probably plays a factor in this so can't hate on him too much in terms of what he brings to the football table on the field explosiveness and like big playability. Like we have not seen at the college level, literally. I mean, his rate of 10 plus yard carries is the highest we have ever seen in the last six years in college. He had the highest broken tackle rate we've ever seen this past year. 91 broken tackles on 207 attempts. Like you saw the video of him running the 40 yard dash stride for stride with Isaiah Simmons earlier. We are like, damn, that's ridiculous for Isaiah Simmons. Oh, well that's ridiculous for ETN now. Cause that's a four, three, nine we've found out for Isaiah Simmons. So that's pretty damn fast for a running back. Uh, He's gotten a lot bigger over the course of his college career, too. He came into Clemson. uh, I remember watching like one run from his freshman, like, damn, who's that guy? Because he was just explosive, but he was also a stick. And he's probably put on 15 to 20 pounds since he got there. Listed at 215 now. Uh, I'm just a big fan of that explosiveness. I think it will translate and can be utilized in the NFL. He showed a lot more as a receiver this past season but he's not without some reservations. And the biggest one to me is running style. He gets lateral to the line of scrimmage far, far more than you would like to see from a top running back prospect. Like he looks for those home runs, the amount of times he's you know, running inside zone and he tries to bounce out the front side, like tries to come out on where just you really don't want to go outside the front side, inside zone. Uh, because a guy is playing contain there usually, and like you have to beat the contain guy, and that doesn't happen in the NFL nearly as much as it does in college. Yeah. And he can do it in college, but his running style is question mark to translate. Now, now he will grind out runs, he will stick his foot in the ground and like go up, get upfield and run through tacklers. So, like he's not afraid of contact, but just he's a little big play happy.
0: I mean, big play, you see that with backs, so that have that home run hitting ability, that yes. know that if they do break this, yeah. if they can go the distance. So I wonder, I mean, I'd be I mean, we didn't ask Tiki this, but it'd be interesting to know how much of that is coachable, you know? And obviously, it's a mentality. So mm-hmm. I think it takes reps and obviously, like, just kind of constant kind of massaging. But regardless, you know, this past year, ranked first enforcement tackles in the country, tied for first enforcement tackles per attempt, first in yards after contact per attempt, practically breaks. Any chart you put him on, even if you look back to 2014, when PFF first started collecting data at the collegiate level, like Travis Etienne this past year specifically was rare. It'll be interesting to see how he builds off of it with Trevor Lawrence and company. I think he could put up gaudy numbers again in 2020. Like there are going to be people talking about him as a first-round pick because of what the numbers will look like. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think. I think he will. I think he does end up as a first round pick with that athleticism. Kind of similar like Melvin, you could, there's the Melvin Gordon sort of return to school. Everything goes well. You run for 2,500 yards. You come back. You're a first round pick. And then there's Bryce Love scenario that could happen as well, where he falls down to fourth, fifth round pick. I, I don't first. Pers- <laughs> I, I don't think that's that's obviously worst worst case scenario. I think he still ends up a high pick.
0: All right, moving to Chuba Hubbard. A lot of people like this guy, and he does not. He does not show up super strong from a force of mm-hmm. his tackle for attempt standpoint or yards after contact for attempt standpoint. But there is, you do see it with him when you he, you, know, um, you know, this past year specifically.
1: He reminds me of J.K. Dobbins in terms of you can't put your finger on one thing where you're like, damn, he does that elite. Yeah. There's not like one sort of trait he has, but like everything he does is like very good. He's also not exceptionally big either. He's listed at six foot, 201. But I never at any point like thought his size was an issue, like with his and his running style, like does not play like that. If if you were to tell me to guess how big he was, I would have said like two fifteen after seeing him run this past season. And so it, you like guys like that, the guys who play bigger than what they're listed. I think J.K. Dobbins came into the combine at like two oh seven. So like that's he played a lot bigger than that at Ohio State. So uh, I, I think he's just all around can do basically anything you ask from. He's, very is jump cuts between the tackles are very good, very good vision. Uh, Like I said, not ju- there's just like not one thing necessarily to hang his hat on, but that's, that's still in the NFL. Like if you do a lot of things very well, you'll be a quality running back.
0: Do you, where do you think he needs to get better and kind of maybe, you know, cement himself as this number two back you think, or is it just kind of like doing everything? Bigger, well, faster, like,
1: you know, <laughs> that's like, yeah. what else can you do at that point at the running back position? That's, that's really kind of the the gist of it, and why we keep saying, "Oh, if you're junior, I can go." Like, that's why I, Chubb Hubbard just go. <laughs> like, what are you gonna what are you gonna prove to evaluators? You already had, you know, over two thousand yards. You've already caught over forty passes in your career. You've shown that you can impact both those areas. Uh, I, I don't think he has much more to prove. I think he just kind of is who he is, and I bet he's probably in that set late day two early or late second round, mid third round, sort of where he comes off the
0: board. All right, let's jump to Alabama's Najee Harris. This dude is a hoss, 6'2", 230, just a monster. Uh, Did not, I mean, you know, this past year, forced 59 missed tackles, a sub four uh, yards after contact per attempt average, 89.3 PFF rushing grade this past year. Najee Harris was this like super coveted recruit coming out. I think was Alameda or Antioch. In California, but Najee, I, I feel like there are people who love Najee Harris, but, that, and that, but there are others who don't see the dynamism as other, that the other running backs in this class have.
1: Yeah, he's got really loose hips for a big dude. So 6'2", 230, but he can cut on a dime, stop on a dime. That's, it's rare for a guy that size. Like Compare him and the way his feet move to a guy like A.J. Dillon, and it's night and day. Like he can cut, I think you can utilize him in the passing game. Uh, a lot more than most big backs, most guys that size you worry about. You're like, can I, can he get open against linebackers? He's the same exact size as a linebacker. Like, <laughs> does he have that athletic advantage? And now I think he's slow. I think he's going to run high four sixes. Like I, he just does not get away from guys down the field. He does not have that extra gear in his game, but I think with where he wins and his running style, he still can, uh he, he still can be an effective running back at the NFL level and sort of an Eddie Lacey, prime Eddie Lacey, sort of before he ate his way out of the NFL. Uh sort of that that's impact you could have from a Najee Harris. The, there's a run in the bowl game against Michigan that's awesome. That's late in the fourth quarter. Like that, that that got probably every run game truther just so horny because it's late in the game. See, you know, grinding, salt in the away the clock there. And he drags five guys, has five guys. There's literally a <laughs> screenshot I have on my computer with five guys, all touching him at one point and him still standing, uh, five Michigan defenders. That's just kind of who he is. He is. If you want a horse of a running back, if you want the, the big running back in this class, he's your guy.
0: I mean, and talking to Tiki, I'll, I'll tease the interview a little bit. He talks about his favorite running back in the NFL right now, and it's Derrick Henry because he talks about the importance of the four man offense and having just these <laughs> monsters being able to run the football like Derrick Henry. I mean, he's not the same size and mass as Derrick Henry, but it's a similar style in that like you're just a pounded out running back. You know, you're a that guy is, that can really yeah. grind it, grind it out, from between the tackles. Yeah, I mean, it's facts, just all facts. All right. <laughs> opposite of pounding it out, Max Borgie, the Washington state, back, yeah, five, <laughs> five foot 10,
2: opposite. five foot 10,
0: 197 pounds led the, you know, all of college football this past year in receptions. Like he was used a ton in the passing game in that Washington state offense, which is obviously good news for another back. We'll mention later, Kylan Hill. Now with uh, Mike Leach at Mississippi state, I think you could see him yes. get involved a ton in the passing game and boost his stock. But Borgie, some have made the comparisons to Christian McCaffrey oh, and I can't. That's, I that's can't racism. that's fine. I can't get on board with the McCaffrey hype, but you know, looking at, you know, receiving backs and these backs that do have a ton of as you, you know, a ton of experience catching the football, and he does have you know, he does have a, a handful of force tackles on these things. And he does have some elusiveness to his game, but I don't see a Christian McCaffrey in Max Bory.
1: I mean I what I see is he's closer to gosh who's the guy I'm trying to he's just closer to a slot receiver than he is a running back so he is yeah. not a Christian McCaffrey like he's honestly in Washington State's offense this year the head coach who's escaping my mind who came over from Hawaii who is now head coach of Washington State he might honestly play just slot receiver in that offense because they really? utilize the running back They backs run a ton of five so wide little. Yeah uh, so he may end up being just a slot wide receiver because that's
0: like, that's where that would his skill set. Good for him though. That yeah. would be good for him. Like like that's where he wanted yeah. to use him in the NFL. And like I I wouldn't even make the comparison to Austin Eckler because that guy is like a an athletic yes. freak. Like I Austin Eckler is an underrated athlete and a half. Like you, yeah. you like going back and looking at like, well, like Colorado and stuff.
1: Max Borgie <laughs> will be called sneaky athletic. I mean, drink every time he gets called sneaky athletic this fall. You have a great fall. He had. Two drops this year though on eighty-seven catchable. Really good hands. He is a really natural receiver of the football. Runs good routes out of the backfield. Like that's where he wins. And he, he is fast. Like he's probably going to run the 4 force if I had to bet. Like he has the speed to his game, but he's not necessarily like for an undersized back. Five ten one ninety-seven listed at. It's not like that's bouncy. Super
0: bouncy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's not. He's not necessarily agile. He doesn't have that aspect to his game. He's more of a one cut go guy. One cut. And then speed, sort of guy, and that—I mean—that works as a route runner from slot. Like that can—you don't need necessarily that. Rex Burkhead.
0: What about that? Tom? Uh, if we're just going to stick to only white we're running gonna backs, just, backs, we're going to stick the, to just
1: white running backs. Trish Christian McCaffrey, Rex Burkhead, Peyton Hillis scale—he probably falls closest to Rex Burkhead. Yes, but Rex Burkhead I think was Rex
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, I I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Anyway, I, I I think you gotta pump the brakes on any Christian McCaffrey comp so I'll yes. that. Right pump now. the brakes
1: on that because as an actual running back, he he looked like a wide receiver. Yeah, you know, like when you throw a wide receiver at running back and then give him carries. That's what he looked like. He didn't have sort of the vision, the pacing of his runs that like comes with you know getting a lot of handoffs. So he's not really a true running back. I, I think he's more of a slot running back hybrid at the NFL level that uh honestly you'd have to be creative to win with or uh like you said, this could be good for his draft stock because he gets to show how he actually will look at wide receiver this next upcoming season.
0: All right, let's go to Trace Sermon, who has one of the best single season force tackle for attempt averages we've ever seen. And a lot of those a lot of those high marks come from the Big Twelve. So there's definitely something there with Big Twelve just not being able to tackle. But this guy's enforcement tackle ability is great. And I'm you know, watching him at Oklahoma, I this this guy I think has a lot of what you're going to like at the running back position. Now going to Ohio State, like he could, from a production standpoint, put himself in the conversation to being one of the better running backs in this class.
1: So he's like sneaky big for running back. When you watch him run and move, he's just very smooth and just real smoothness to his game. But then you see he's listed at six foot two twenty five, and you're like, holy shit, like that guy he doesn't move like six foot two twenty five. He moves a, like a lot lighter running back moves like he's you know, probably like six foot 210. Like he just look, moves like your, uh, and, and he breaks tackles then because of that at a very high rate because guys bounce off his legs because he's very Absolutely. Uh, well built for the position. Um, limited experience in the pass game, though, unfortunately, uh, only 36 catches his entire college career. Uh, and, and he's not necessarily has great explosiveness or athleticism that's not going to be necessarily his game. I think he's probably like a four five ish sort of guy high four or five. He, so maybe,
0: I mean, that. looking at his force, moves, tackle. though. I mean, he puts him, you know, without that kind of high end top speed, you put yourself in like the Zach Moss conversation of like forcing a ton of his tackles, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily having the high end athleticism to be like, you know, an all-star in this class, like Travis CTN. And you look at what he did in 2017, 39, force-miss tackles on 120 attempts, 57 force-miss tackles in 2018 on just 162 attempts. Didn't play a ton this past year, but like that, those those tackle-breaking rates are, are super impressive.
1: Yes, and so now he transfers to Ohio State. Uh, I believe he will be. I would think, just from watching both of them, that he's going to win the starting job there or going to win the bulk of the carries. We'll get to his competition, Master Teague, here a little bit later, but I do think Trey Sermon is the much, much better of those two.
0: Yep. All right. Let's jump to Puka Williams. Before we jump into the off field, there's obviously off field tied with Puka Williams, but like on field, this guy's pretty freaking awesome. Like I, yes. he is hashtag fun to watch. 74 <clears throat> broken tackles this past year and 88.3 PFF rushing grade. Like this guy does a lot, does a lot of it himself, a ton of yards after contact in each of the past two years, like Puka Williams, like, Again, on the field, like there is a ton of like five foot 10, 170 pounds on the smaller side, but man can, man can break some tackles.
1: I like how you put it when you said puts a lot he does a lot of it himself. And some of that is, yes, he plays at Kansas and their offense line stinks. but a lot of it is like the way yes. he runs looks like high school running back tape where it's yes, there's this design run and it's supposed to go this way. But I see this hole over here, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this way. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. completely change it. Like he just freelances every single play. So that's that's not what you want to see from a running back. He is not a true running back. If you're gonna plan on giving this guy more than you know eight to ten carries at the NFL level, I I don't think that's ever gonna happen. He's seven. Like he is an undersized. He is a pure scat back. But the bounciness that I said Max borgie didn't have, Puka Williams has all of that. And as a receiver, he is. Awesome out of the backfield can get open reminiscent of what I was J.J. Taylor, the Arizona back this past year, where it's just like, if you got him one-on-one with a linebacker, it's over. He is not going to lose in that situation. You cannot pin this guy down in a, even in a phone booth, not only two drops his entire college career. I believe, no, excuse me. One drop on 60 catchable, his entire college career, great hands, really natural receiver could even make a switch to slot receiver. That could be where he goes and ends up at, at the NFL level but yes like you said hashtag very fun to watch player
0: and he's fun to watch because i mean there's obviously some ability there but like he put like you said he puts himself in these situations where like it needs to be a ridiculous highlight or it's a big loss you know <laughs> or you're losing a ton of yards or like it just looks awful and so to bring up the off field stuff you know he was suspended this article by the way and this quote from Les Miles is rid- is insane i'm going to read this too but um he was suspended one game uh, for a misdemeanor domestic battery charge in late last December. Um, one game. And, and Les Miles says, no violence against women is okay. I did not make this decision, but I stand by it and see it as the right one. One game, no violence against – like, that does not feel that heavy-handed. I, I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm, I could read the details. I'm like, anyway, um, That that's what you have with Puka Williams as well. It was a one-game suspension, but, like, there's also – that aspect of that was which is,
1: 2018 you said
0: 2018 yeah, yeah december 2018 so i think it was a one game suspension this past year is when when the suspension the uh violence against women is not okay one game suspension Jesus, so one um
1: game. yeah
0: kind of kind of absurd there take hate to take the pod to a negative term but th- yeah. there is that the all right let's reset reset Demetric Felton UCLA running back um you highlighted him last year as one of the you know one of the sneaky good receiving running backs yeah. in the 20, potentially in the 2020 class And looking at his receiving production there is a lot to like with Demetric Felton and normally you're not normally going to UCLA for for any talent of late but Demetric Felton there might be something here so
1: we kind of touched on a couple of guys who were like their slot receiving running back Max Borgie Obviously, Puka Williams was hit, and, and now Demetrik Felton. And Felton actually plays a good deal slot in the UCLA offense as well. I think Felton, of all those guys, is the one I would feel comfortable being like, we can actually play him at running back. Like this guy, he's 5'9, 185. I think he can get to a point where you can actually lean on him for, you know, get to a size point and like the way he runs out of the backfield and his elusiveness.
2: Yeah, you can I mean, actually I can
1: lean on this guy for. Yeah, 21 broken tackles this past year on 87 carries. Uh, I, I think he is a much, much better player, just more talented than Josh Kelly was last year at the running back out of UCLA. And he, and uh, he
0: very very he has not played a ton. Dude. Like mm-hmm. they have not like given him a ton of opportunity at UCLA. Like I think there's opportunity for him to see more of the foot, you know, he's, you know, played over 400 snaps of each of the past two years, but has not run the football a ton has been involved a little bit in the passing game specifically in 2019. But I think there are more opportunities to see him run the football in 2020 and see him like actually be this complete back that he could be.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for that. But as a receiver, he is lights out. The guy runs really smooth routes. Like that's why they played him in the slot. A good deal is because he's, he's just very talented in that regard. 54 catches this past year, 18 broken tackles on those catches. That's a pretty darn good rate
0: that's fantastic all right kylan hill mississippi state running back i've said this guy kind of you said it before too but there are games where this guy looks like a bowling ball a butcher knives and is untappable mm-hmm. against even good competition but then there's also games where you don't see that there's some inconsistency there like he has these kind of high-end games i'm interested to see most interested to see how he develops as a wide receiver with mike mm-hmm. leach because that's the most yeah. important thing because right now like and we talk about force missed tackles a lot, and because it's so predictive and so stable, going from the college to the pros. But like, you have to be, you have to do more than force missed tackles if you're gonna, f- you know, f- you know, actively fight this replaceability. Like, you have to also catch out of the backfield. You could, you have to be able maybe even have some positional versatility and run things from the slot. Like, Kylin Hill, I think, has a huge opportunity. It's a big reason probably why he came back to work with Mike Leach in this offense and develop as a receiver.
1: Yeah, really not featured there. 18 catches this past season for 180 yards. He has six drops on 50 catchable in his career. It just has not, not been good in that regard, but he's going to get every opportunity this upcoming year. Like I said, that, that Mike Leach offense throws to the running backs a ton. Now, it's a lot of checkdowns, not necessarily a lot of like downfield routes, the running back position, but even that is helpful in terms of the evaluating and projecting to the next level. With me, though... All this guy has good burst for a size. He has the weights, you know, weight size combo down pat, 5'11, 215. Looks like an NFL running back. His vision, though, is not, not good. It's just like bad. Uh, he has a play in the Auburn game where, uh, early in the Auburn game, first quarter, where it's a, it's like, a, I think it's just an inside zone handoff up the middle, but they bring a slop blitz to the front side. And as soon as he gets the handoff, he freezes staring at the, the slot blitz guy who's still like six yards away from him. still. Like if he just cut up field, that guy would not be involved in the play, but he's staring like away from where he wants to go. Literally like lateral to the line of scrimmage stares at that guy freezes, tries to shake that guy instead of just like following where the run's designed to go and cutting up field. And that guy never would have even touched him. Uh, you see plays like that. And this tape too much where he stops his feet in the backfield because he just the vision and the one cut sort of the things that I like to see translate as a runner to the NFL. He does not do well and has not done well at Mississippi state. And the kind of concerning thing is you go into this Mike Leach offense. You're not really going to change that. Cause it's just all, there's just so much space you run against like five man boxes. Yeah. I don't think that's, if that's still an issue next, I guess if that's still an issue next year, like then we can talk, but it's the when it's things get crowded and things get, you know, hairy and it's not quite as clean. That's when Colin Hill just, I worry about him being able to be productive.
0: And I think that's one of the harder things for a lot of running backs when they're translating from college to Mm -hmm. pros is is working, you know, working the vision and choosing the right hole and that kind of stuff because of like, you're seeing light man, you know, lighter boxes at the college level, or things are cleaner. You can break tackles easier, and, and like you're you're more often rewarded if you are this freakish athlete that's drafted in the first three or four rounds at the running back position. You're more often rewarded for bad decisions because you can break a shitload of tackles. Like you're you're like oh man, I can bounce this you know front side on inside zone. Like I can do that no problem. Puka Williams, yeah. I can I can do whatever I want. You can obviously see that in his fucking game. But like put, I, you see these running backs that can do whatever they want at the collegiate level. Coaching that out of them in at the NFL level, I think it's just it's got to happen if you are going to actually have consistent production and avoid like significant loss because you can't be taking significant losses at that position either when it's already so hard to provide value as a runner.
1: Yeah, the Rashawn Gary effect. I think we need to coin that the Rashawn Gary effect when you're such a freak athlete that you don't have to develop any sort of technique to just dominate.
0: Yeah, that happens
1: at the running back like tenfold. That's so common at the running back where it's just like this guy is just the Reggie Bush was the, the OG of it, where it's just like he didn't feel the need to follow you know, the, the tenets of the run game. He, he just was going to do what he wanted to it, do because so, it worked from so- every single level.
0: It has to be so difficult to be fundamental, like 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 know the fundamentals yeah, of any position or anything you're doing. If you're just naturally a god at it, I mean, especially yeah. if you're dating back to high school, like a lot of these running backs playing quarterback in high school and like just could do whatever they want because they were just the best athletes on the football field. All right, um, let's go ahead and jump to C.J. Verdell, the Oregon running back who I had to double check, double a double take on this size, five nine two ten. This guy's a a hoss, man. This guy's got. I mean, only let, you know, only just over 200 attempts over the past two years, and over a thousand yards each time. Force missed tackles, not great. Like I don't love the rate that you do see from CJ Verdell, but like still, dude, this guy's got this guy's got some beef on that five foot nine frame. He's
1: one of the most interesting. His tape is some of the most interesting in this entire draft class. Like very productive, set thousand yards the past two years, but he gets the handoff. And he is at full speed, like within a split second, the guy hits the line of scrimmage as hard as any running back in this draft class. And it's to a fault, like his bad broken tackle raise because he does not, he does not like stop to shake guys. He does not change his mind. He goes, there's a play uh, against Auburn first week of the season late uh, midway through the fourth quarter where Derek Brown sheds off a block and CJ Verdell is coming at him hundred miles an hour, sticks his helmet right into Derek Brown's chest and runs through him. Derek Brown does not break. Like one of Derek Brown's like few missed tackles in his entire college career came because CJ Verdell was already probably, you know, running 20 plus miles an hour into his chest. And the guy has legit speed. He's an explosive dude, but man, he needs a little, like I rarely say to like, try to like calm guys. He needs to run a little calmer. Like, Take maybe a bit. before his next game. Yeah. Maybe maybe some C B D pills. Like this guy, he just is a hundred miles an hour every single time he touches the ball. And in terms of natural of talent, back. like it's, trying to think
0: of a running back who has a similar style. Like
1: you letter let Furnett like kind of ran like that coming out of LSU where it was just like he had to get up to full speed, but that was a little different reason why like he just needed it took him a while to get up to full speed because of how big he was Verdell's compact dude like i said five nine two ten he doesn't need that he can get up to speed quickly from a stop or a slow crawl so uh, it's just something that i would like to see improved upon this upcoming season but that's why his yards after contact over four this past year, six point two yards for he carry. He's searching for I
0: mean, he's contact. taking it so yeah. early. <laughs> I feel like when you're just putting exactly. your head down and running, if you're if you're ever making the decision to put your helmet down through Derek Brown, you're gonna have a lot of yards after contact you're <laughs> just like willing, willing and able yes. to seek contact out early in the run. All right, last running back we we'll want to highlight here is Zamir White. I think former five star recruit goes to Georgia does not have does not have a ton of. Experience only 78 carries this past year for 408 yards, 19 broken tackles, and the 3.6 yards after contact per attempt average. But former five star, you see some of that athleticism in his game. Where are you with Zamir White? Is it just kind of like what does this guy bring to the table?
1: So I don't think he's near what we've seen from Georgia running backs in the past. He's not DeAndre Swift. Oh, wow. He's not, he's obviously not Nick Chubb. I, I don't even think he's uh, Todd Gurley. Oh, no, I wasn't going to say Tony Michelle. I don't even think he's quite that. Now, he's also only going to be a redshirt sophomore. And obviously, guys can develop over the course of their uh, careers. But I just didn't see nearly as uh, nearly as the creativity, the make you miss, that sort of like innate shake that some running backs have. He's kind of just like big, fast, but not necessarily dynamic. Uh, Like he's going to who's Nile Davis the former Arkansas running back who ran like four, three, something at two twenty, And everyone's like, damn, why isn't he, why isn't this guy like considered a top pick? It was just because he's not dynamic, even though he's big and fast, he doesn't have this sort of dynamism. And it's yeah. just like hard, uh, hard to really put your finger on it. That's kind of how I feel about the White. And, and it, you, know, you could still win at the NFL level being big and fast. Like now Davis had some good games, but I, I just don't see near the prospect of those other Georgia backs.
0: And I think it's also indicative, you know, Nick Chubb, I think is a true freshman, was getting a good amount of carries because they knew this guy was something, you know. And I think it's indicative yes. that, you know, Spear White wasn't heavily involved. Only two games where he had more than 10 carries in a single game. And I, I think that's, I mean, obviously Georgia knows how to scout backs. And I think you look at, not scout, but recruit backs, I guess would be a better way of putting <laughs> that's that. Tough. but. But like looking at them specifically in practice, like you know, if he only a hundred total snaps, you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's another thing where I don't know. I think there's definitely concerns there. All right. That's the running back position. Looking back on it and what you kind of said earlier, or yeah, you, you added a couple names actually. I apologize. You I, I don't know why I was stopping at Zamir White. We need to get to these last three yes. guys.
1: We got three more. Sorry. All right.
0: Master, Master Teague, Ohio State, take the reins.
1: Yes, this guy on the spectrum of He's so a bigger dude. Back. This guy's got love this making, guy's got some size. I was gonna say I love making these same school comps, even though I always like propel against again, mm-hmm. it Actually, comes draft time, but on the spectrum of Beanie Wells and Carlos Hyde versus on one side versus J.K. Dobbins and Ezekiel Elliott on the other side, he swings way towards the Beanie Wells side, like all, all the way past Beanie Wells towards just like the man's not dy- He doesn't he, but he, the thing is, he knows it. He's not dynamic. He is a straight line guy. He is not going to make you miss. He is a one cut, get up field, lower his pads, get what he gets. Al- almost runs like fullbacks run when they ass. get handoffs. Yeah, like when a fullback gets a handoff. You are like this guy's not going to. They know they're fullbacks. They're not going to like.
0: That's the that's the messed up part about the running back position is that like say you're not like a super athlete and you have to learn the fundamentals of the position. You have to be technically sound. You're still not going to be good. Like like, you can be a very good technician (laughs) at other. You can be a very good technician at other positions with less than desirable measurables and be very good, like very very productive on the interior offensive line, other places as well. But like running back, it's like if you don't have that like. Top tier athleticism, top tier dynamism. I don't care how well you're reading an inside zone, you're gonna struggle in the NFL to be like a very good running back. Like that's that's just fact.
1: Yeah, so he's five eleven, two twenty-five. I will give it to his credit. Like I said, he knows it. He knows he's not dynamic and he gets upfield, lowers his shoulder, lays drops, you know, drops his pad level, will lower the boom, average, you know, 3.75 yards after contact this past season, but He's just not the kind of running back I'd covet when projecting to the NFL.
0: I mean, there's a reason Trey Sermon's coming over from Oklahoma. Okay, they didn't it, tell Trey Sermon. Fellows, yeah, good. <laughs> they didn't tell Trey Sermon that like it's going to be an even competition between you and Master T. They're like, no, this guy sucks, or not, <laughs> maybe not. This guy sucks, <laughs> but like, hey, it's like your position to lose at the very least. Because like, yeah. when you are making those transfer decisions, it's more than just the school and those things. It's like opportunity. Like, Trey yeah, Sermon's I mean, that's transfer- why
1: he's leaving. Oklahoma is because it's the guy Kennedy we're talking Brooks. about next year.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kennedy Brooks, uh, you know, over hundred carries in each of the past two years, over a thousand yards. Dude had a 1, 053 yards in 2018 on 119 carries over five yards after contact per attempt, 37 was tackles this guy, the elusiveness, the rate metrics, all that stuff really, really stand out. And again, like you said, it's a reason Trey Sermon's now playing in Columbus.
1: Yes. So Kennedy Brooks, very good balance. Like, like he, the missed tackle rates are very indicative of that. 50 broken tackles on 155 carries this past year. 37 broken tackles on 119 the year prior. The juice explosive to speed is not there with Kenny Brooks, unfortunately. Very good balance. It, like it, He can take hits to his lower half and still stay up. But re- re- watching his tape reminded, <laughs> reminded me of Michael Pirine last year. Flora was just like, Oh, I'm not getting God. excited about any of this like there's not a lot that i'm that's really getting me hot and bothered here like there's just not a lot to love and, and that's so on the uh, on like i was talking about Chuba hubbard uh, there's just like nothing really stood out as a dominant trait but he was like good across the board nothing sounds stands out as a dominant trait for kennedy brooks but he's just like average across the board is how i'd say it so he's probably like a few rounds lower on my eyes probably like a it's gotta days. be yeah.
0: it's gotta be Chuba, right? It can't be Chuba Hubbard. That I like ridiculous.
1: saying it with the rhyming aspect, so I'm gonna that stick with. That sounds
0: ridiculous. Uh, all right, <laughs> I have I got to be honest. This last guy I have not watched at all. I, you mm-hmm. added this guy late, Jatarius Whitlow, Whitlow, the Auburn running back, six foot two ten. Looking at you know the production he's had over 150 carries of each of the past two years. Not super impressive rate metrics from a yards-per-carry standpoint or yards-after-contact standpoint. You're adding him to the list for a reason, though. I'm adding the though?
1: list for a reason because he was at Auburn last year, was basically the starter at the beginning of the season, fumbled three times against Tulane, had six fumbles on the season, got basically benched, uh, now transferring in the transfer portal. No clue where he's going to go, but this dude's talented. He, he is a big, explosive guy. Watching him was very reminiscent of uh, Le'Veon Bell, the way he runs, very patient. Wow. It's actually funny watching the Oregon Auburn game, you see CJ Verdell taking handoffs versus the way Jarvis Whitlow took handoffs. And I was like, this is like the complete Night opposite day. of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> so 46 broken tackles last year and 155 attempts. Like he is elusive, big, and fast but the fumbles are a massive issue and no clue where he's going to end up after obviously going, entering the transfer portal might end up pulling Kenny Robinson and just, you know, saying screw it at this point. No one's, I mean, there's no, no XFL to back fall to back on. Of yeah, I know. <laughs> that's,
2: so that's we'll a see big what happens with him.
1: But yeah, yeah. Man, Whitlow was an, an interesting prospect prior to obviously the fumbles and then the subsequent transferring. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. But yeah, a name three to
0: watch. fumbles, dude had 20 carries against Oregon, 20 over 20 carries against Tulane. But that's the three fumble game, just and slowly and steadily, just drop it off like, dude, yeah. we're not. That's that yeah. sucks. It's the uh, that running back from Remember the Titans, really, the guy who just fumbled all the time. Or is that am I thinking of the wrong movie there? I might be. <laughs>
1: oh, no, it's
0: fans, a, yeah. uh, not, not remember the, the Titans, Titans Friday Night Lights. I apologize. I uh, the guy more. who had, where the guy has um his dad duct tapes the football around his arms. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I apologize for yeah. mixing those two movies regardless. That's the running back class. I mean, looking at what you said like the guys we had talked about early in this class like Max Borgie, Puka Williams, Dimitri felt, Kvel- I mean, so Max Borgie and Puka Williams, two guys that like they're probably better suited playing in the slot at the next level, like yeah. that already takes away from the depth of the position. AJ Harris is very like that formatted offense type of back. Chubba Hubbard is like you know, there there isn't there isn't the, the guys the names that intrigue me, I think Dimitrick Felton, CJ Verdell. I kind of need to just see this guy more, knowing that like this guy's running through Derek Brown. And then I mean, I don't know. After those two guys, it's like there are obvious weaknesses in these ga- in, in the games where you don't want to be drafting some of these running backs after Travis Etienne in the second round. Like we saw this run on running backs in 2020. Like I I can't get on board with some of these guys' second round picks.
1: Yeah, there's just no it's no real young, productive, up-and-coming backs. It's kind of like there was last year when you had, you know, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, that people just like knew about that. Were like, yeah. oh, they're going to be juniors. they gonna, you know, they've been productive already. The guys who are at the top of this class are guys who are li- seniors and who made the decision to come back. A-, a lot of them or some of them, because you know, guys like Najee Harris because they got a- their draft stock c- came back to them and they didn't like where it was and they were trying to get it higher than that. Yeah uh, with the, another year of college. So, you know, it's yeah. not,
0: you know, it's not a great running back class when a lot of the top guys are seniors. seniors. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's that. I would agree with that. I mean, Travis Etienne, I think is an exception to that rule, but like still there's, I think that's a good way of looking at this class. All right. That's going to do it for the two for one drafts on Renner and i's front. However, we are now going to kick to the Tiki Barber interview before we break Mike really appreciate the breakdown of the running backs. I want to watch more of this Whitlow guy Verdell. Zamir White, I think, is interesting just because of the background, but I think it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting running back group where you're going to have to, I don't know if there's going to be a, a guy that everyone falls in love with. I think there are play styles that people will fall in love with with Puka Williams, Max Borgie, but still an interesting group to study over the next year plus. So very much looking forward to that. Mike, really appreciate it. Let's kick to Tiki. Joining the 241 Drafts podcast is former NFL running back and honestly someone who's done a lot of great things in the media space as well as Tiki Barber. Tiki, it's great to have you on.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. How you doing? Doing great, man.
0: I don't know how familiar you are with PFF, but I, I'm super familiar of your career <laughs> and watching you in the NFL. And it was it was great to see. The reason I wanted to bring you on, we're doing this series right now, looking at the running back position, looking a little bit ahead to the 2021 running back class, getting a preview before the college football season starts. But before we even bring up you know specific player names and those things, I'd love to get your take playing in the NFL and seeing where the NFL is going at the running back position. What you think is valuable at the running back position when you're evaluating traits and
2: skill set? I got to tell you, it's a great question because it's evolved and it's ever it's been ever evolving, to be honest with you. So if you think back, I don't know if you get—you guys might not be old enough to remember. But in 1997, when I got drafted in the second round, the 36 pick overall, um, I was. Two hundred and three or four pounds, five nine and a half, five ten. Uh, my my ceiling in a lot of people's mind was kick returner, third down back. I mean, I I, wow. I remember them saying you're going to be the next Dave Meggett, right? A better Dave Meggett. That, <laughs> that, that was that's what everybody thought I was going to be. But then something interesting started to occur around the league in, in in the in the form of Marshall Falk. So Marshall did everything. Like he was he was smart. He could catch the ball out of the backfield. He had one of those thousand thousand yard seasons, which we just just recently saw from Christian McCaffrey, um, and, it, and it became a unique way to use an athletic, somewhat smaller running back. It used to be 6'2", 230. I right? go pound the ball three yards in a cloud, cloud of dust. But something started to shift. And you saw these smart coordinators like Sean Payton, who happened to be our coordinator in New York, who said, let's 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 evolve the position. Let's use it differently. And so around 2000, we started doing a lot of misdirection. You know what I mean? It was let's let's line everybody up, bunch right. And then we're going to toss it out the backside or we're going to do these scissors plays where you start one way, get all movement going to your left. And we're going to come back with the fullback leading back to the right side. And it took advantage of. A smaller player's athleticism. In addition to that, you started to have to catch the ball in the backfield. So I was catching 50, 60 passes a, a season. And very slowly, you saw it start to change. Like Thomas Jones was doing this, Ladanian Tomlinson was doing this. And then eventually, you fast forward to 2015 or so, 2016, that becomes like critical. If you don't have a running back who can catch the football, who can run to the edges and zones or uh, but also catch the ball out of the backfield and be tough up the middle, you're not valuable uh, at the position. And so it's evolved from what it used to be to what it is now. And when you look at it now and you see the Christian McCaffrey's of the world or the Dalvin Cook's of the world, it's this versatility that, that reigns. You know, very few of them are going to get three hundred and fifty carries a game. But, you know, Chris McCaffrey's already got 2,000 yards receiving and 2,000 yards rushing in three seasons, which is crazy to think about.
0: Absolutely, and with all of that being said I want to put you on the spot a little bit I'm not going to ask for one name, but talk yeah. to me About who you think are the best Running backs in the NFL right now, because I think a lot Of people would say Christian yeah. McCaffrey Or, you yeah. know, maybe even throw Ezekiel Elliott into the mix, knowing what he can do On the ground, but I think yeah. I'd be interested to hear Knowing how this position has
2: evolved Who you yeah. think some of the best running backs in the NFL are Well, you, you might be surprised From what the description I just gave you I love Christian McCaffrey because he does everything And he's, he mm-hmm. can be on the field every single single play I mean in fact what were there six games last year he played 100 percent of the snaps so you don't have to take him off the field and he's proven to be durable obviously I'm going to be a homer because I love Saquon Barkley he's a great kid and I think he's a great leader for that New York Giants team um so those are two I think Dalvin Cook if he stays healthy is another who I just mentioned but to be honest with you if I was picking a running back um, aside from Christian McCaffrey I would, I would take Derrick Henry and the reason is he's big He's durable, obviously, but more importantly, situationally, he's amazing. If you need to throw him a screen, he'll catch a screen. He's not a prolific wide receiver. You're not lining him up as a a wide out like you can Chris McCaffrey. But if you need to throw a screen, he'll catch it and go 30 yards or he'll go 70 yards. Uh, More importantly, when you get into the four minute offense, and we all know what the four minute offense is, if you follow football, you have a lead. There's less than Mm -hmm. four minutes left in the game. You just got to pound it. Right, hold on to the football. Go get four yards. Move the change. Get first down at the first down at the first down. I've seen Derrick Henry at least three times. And It's probably more. In a four minute offense, there's eight, nine guys at the line of scrimmage. Go to the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like sixty yards, seventy yards to the house. Walk off. Game over. You know you. you I just put the dagger in your in your in your chest right that's the kind of runner that that i that i love and we saw that last year uh in the postseason derrick henry became the man in so many different ways so he doesn't fit this mold that i that i that i reference when i say just you need this guy to be the elite running back in the nfl derrick henry is not that but he's a guy that i would absolutely take on my team bringing up derrick henry
1: actually is a good transition to what i want to talk about next which was Paying running backs so the sort of the conversation yeah. around yeah. that second contract, they just franchised yeah. him out there yeah. in Tennessee, but you famously didn't even really get like going in your career. Didn't even get featured right. until your second contract. You didn't have, you know, uh, your best season came at age 30 statistically. So what are your thoughts on the sort of growing trend of not wanting to give that big money on that second contract?
2: Um, I get it because the one the players are interchangeable. You can go find a a, a Chris Carson in 2017. That's by the way the the year of the running back that season, and he drafted in the seventh round, right? And he's what fifth or sixth uh, best running back out of that at least by yards out of that class. And so you can find guys, uh, Aaron Jones. He was a fifth round draft pick for the Green Bay Packers. You can find them later in the draft, and so the value at the beginning of the careers is somewhat diminished. And then once you put some wear and tear. On them, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- three hundred carries a year for three or four years. It's like, yeah, you know, they starting to diminish. I mean, they've taken too many hits. You know, you know, what's he really worth? And if we pay him, are is it going to be you know three years he breaks down, or is it going to be six years he breaks down, or is it going to be next year that he breaks down? A la Todd Gurley, and so it's really, really dicey. Unless you have a situation like the Carolina Panthers have, where they stole a year. They so they stole the fifth year option year. Um, and they paid Christian McCaffrey because one, he's dynamic as hell, as we talked about. But also, he's the face, right? Right? Who's the face of that offense right now? Yeah. Cam, Newton's, Cam Newton's gone. Uh, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater, and we all know love Teddy Bridgewater. But is Teddy Bridgewater going to, you know, be an All Pro quarterback? I, who knows? Christian McCaffrey is the face. It's usually the quarterback, but in Carolina, it's Christian McCaffrey. So unless you have a situation like that. And it's similar to that in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. He's essentially the face of the franchise, even though Dak is starting to become that. Um, If it's not, you know, if you don't have those two things, one, he's got to be really good. But two, he's got to be the face of the franchise in a sense, the marketing arm of of the franchise. It's really hard to pay them. A ton of money. I think we're only going to see a few of them. A few of them happen now. Uh, Saquon Barkley will probably get paid this way because he'll be the face of the franchise. Um, others, get <laughs> showing behind me. Uh, but there, there, there may be a few others. But for the most part, I think it's going to be hard to see running backs get these big, big numbers uh, that they deserve.
0: No, I would agree with you. I think you bring up a great point there and that you have to be the face of the franchise if you're going to get that second contract. And that plays a huge factor. I was talking to some people on the Carolina Panthers social media team talking about like Christian McCaffrey is a big part Of what we need to do, you know, a big part of, you know, the marketing arm that we do have. And I think Dallas Cowboys found themselves in that situation as well with Ezekiel Elliott. Like, it's more than just what you do on the football field. It's more than the value provide between the whistles. It's really, you know, the marketing arm. I think that's a great point you bring up. I want to jump a little bit to this rookie class and and, and talk specifically about some of the names you really like. There was a run on running backs at the back end of the first, starting with Clyde Mm -hmm. Edwards-Hilaire to the Kansas City Chiefs, and then second round, and I know, Mike, you'd speak to this too, there was a ton of running backs coming off the board, Jonathan Taylor and some of these, Keyshawn Vaughn, some of these other guys. Give me some names that you really like for the situation they're in and where they're coming out of.
2: I like DeAndre Swift. He's a smaller back, so I don't think he's going to get 200 or 300 carries. But I think he's versatile and valuable, and he's, and he's tough. I'm do. i I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. I know he's going to split carries with um, uh, uh, Marlon right. Mack. And, um, so he, he, we know he can be a home run hitter. But that zone, re, that zone scheme that they run in Wisconsin where it's one cut, you got 330 pounders in front of you, it's, it, it works in college. I'm not so sure that it works except for the Denver Broncos of old uh, in the National Football League as effectively um, as it has been. I really like the kid from Florida State. His name is slipping me right now. Cam Akers, um, Cam Akers yes. Cam Akers, who, who uh, went, to the, went to the Rams. Um, he's one of those players that reminds me of Christian McCaffrey in a way because he's so versatile. Um, so there's, there's a handful that are going to be, I think, impactful But I don't know if we have a, um, you know, a class like we had in 2017, uh, because I'll keep mentioning it, that had just player after player after player after player, all of whom have done great things uh, for the teams that they are on. Even Kareem Hunt, who's been on two teams uh, from that season. When you're looking at college backs, are you sometimes like partial
1: to guys who look like you coming out? A little bit. (laughs) You mentioned DeAndre Swift first. He has almost a very similar body type to you when you played. Are you just like, oh, yeah, that's 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 the kind of back I want?
2: Yeah, you know it's funny because you look at those players, and I and I hear it before they before the the analyst even says something. It's like, oh, he's a little bit small. I don't know if he could be you know on every down back <laughs> in the NFL. And I'm like, dude, he's 5'10", 206 pounds. I played yeah. ten years and rushed for ten thousand yards. What do you mean he's not durable enough? It's like it's become this cliche or this I don't know this I don't know this 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 tag that you throw on a kid that's not over six feet tall, and it's it's unfair because it it really has nothing to do with that. It, it's more about um, one toughness, two intelligence, and this I'll go back to the Marshall Falk He was one of the highest football IQs that you ever saw uh, in the National Football League. So it's intelligence on how to be a, a reliable pass catcher and a blitz picker-upper, uh, but also like a second general standing there next to or behind the quarterback. And it, it like it, it gets discounted, but it's so important to success in the National Football League. Not to mention you learn like if you don't learn how to not take hits then you're not going to last long in the National Football League. I remember having that conversation with Brandon Jacobs in 2006 when I knew I was going to retire. And B.J. is, you know, we all remember B.J. Biggs. Talk Charles, about a guy who
0: can take hits. I mean, Dude, I mean he, was like
2: a, he was like a tight end or, or, or a defensive yeah. end playing running back. And he used to always just like to truck people. And I'm like, B.J., look. I love you, bro, but you are not going to play long if you do that. I don't care if you're bigger than the guys. You're you're not going to play long. And he adjusted his game and ended up winning a couple Super Bowls and having a pretty decent career, except for that little stint out in San Francisco. And so, you know, I, I – it's 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 it is about the physical skill sets, but there's a there's a piece of intelligence that matters, and this is why Kirsten McCaffrey and I'll keep coming back to him is such a valuable piece for the Carolina Panthers. He is first of all he's good looking, he's got a great body, he's durable, he catches the ball, he runs the ball, and he's smart as all get out. Um, and, I, and that's why you pay him as much money as the Carolina Panthers paid him. All right, one last question, and we'll let you
1: go here. I wanted to touch on. You- Not in the 2020 class, but I think he would have been the first running back off the board if he did declare. Travis Etienne, (laughs) Clemson running back. You probably haven't dug too deep into him, but it's hard to ignore what he's done in the football field. What do you think of a guy making that decision in this day and age? You obviously played till your senior year at Virginia but he comes back for his senior year at Clemson. What would you advise a guy in that similar situation?
2: Man, I probably would have advised him to go. And Chuba Hubbard from uh, Oklahoma State is another. Mm -hmm. I saw him play uh, personally the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. And, you know (sighs) – it's hard. I, we, I had a guy that I played with, uh, Anthony Poindexter, who was a safety uh, at University of Virginia. He, he was a great, great player, one of the few like first-team All-Americans that Virginia's uh, ever had. And he decided to stay for his – I think it was his junior season. He, he redshirted, so he could have come out after his sophomore year, uh, redshirt sophomore year. He decided to stay, and then in a game against NC State, he's standing around a pile – Someone falls over the pile. He tears his ACL. I mean, like really Damn. tears his ACL. Not like, just oh, you got a little tear there. We'll fix it and you'll be fine. Like tore everything. And it, it, it ruined his opportunity to ever be a pro. Uh, and he would have been a great one too. In fact, he even got drafted after all of that uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. And so I probably would have advi- advised those guys to come out. Um, the, the challenge is is they're getting advice from so many different angles, and some people will look at the competition and say, yeah, but your running back is being devalued. you got to find a season or a, a year to come out when there's not a ton of players there so that you can potentially sneak into that first round and, and, and get that extra guaranteed money. Um, but the risk of injury is so high. Uh, that it's really hard to advise kids who have proven that they can play at a high level against great competition to stay in school. Uh, Etienne is definitely that player. I mean, he, he, he in big-time games shows up big-time, seriously, every year. Uh, Hubbard's the same way. I think Najee Harris at Alabama is also in that conversation. But those are the ones that, that have popped off, and, and it's because I've, I've seen all them play in person. Those are the ones that pop off the top of my head from this 2021 class uh, into next year.
0: I cannot wait for Travis Etienne in 2020. I mean, he is just such a fun player to watch, very explosive. And in that Clemson offense, when there's that threat of Trevor Lawrence beating you over the top, I mean, he goes against light boxes at a high rate as well. Tiki, I really appreciate the time. This was fantastic. We'll have to get you back on the podcast closer to the season or in season if you do have time. I think your takes are great. I I really appreciate the Christian McCaffrey love and the love of the evolving (laughs) position. But uh, thanks again, Tiki. Uh, Until next time. Anytime, guys. Take care.